All right, so tonight, we're going to talk about sin. We're going to talk about sin. Sand. <laughs> she thought I said sand. <laughs> Stop. I can't, I can't go down there. Um, all right, we're going to talk about sin. Say sin. sin. Golly, that was weak. Say sin. Sin. Thank you. Say transgression. transgression. Say iniquity. iniquity. All right, when you say iniquity, you got to put your hand like this. Iniquity. What does iniquity mean? Oh, I'm glad you asked, Evie. We're going to jump, jump into it. Jump into it. I feel like you guys are like right up in my grill, but you know what? I'm all right with it. Hey, guys in the back, are we all good? Awesome. Good choice. Good choice. All right, so here's the issue. We're just going to jump straight into it. I'll give you 10 seconds to do what you got to do. Thanks. Oh, great. All right, so here's the issue. How many of you guys have read the scriptures or read the scriptures or heard someone talk about sin, transgression, and iniquity and kind of clumped them all together? It's like when someone says, oh, iniquity. Great, that's sin. Transgressions. Oh, that's still sin. Sin. That's obviously sin. Um, That's not like an issue, but that's a problem. That's an issue in the sense that there's three distinct differences between the three. Um, just like how um, in, the, in the Greek language, we have four words for love. Yeah, do you know that? Okay, so what do we have? We have philia, I mean, agape, eros, and did I already say philia? That's Eros. Oh my gosh. Golly. Well, there's four uh, and they're all different. So like philia, um, actually, yeah, let's look it up. So I'll tell you the ones that I know. So philia is like, no. Um, Philia is uh, love between like brother and sister. It's like this brotherly love. Uh, It comes from the Latin word Filio, which means like brothers where we get like fraternity and stuff like that. Um, Eros is the love between uh, man and woman. Um, Oh yeah, weird. Yeah, since the Eros, like, you know, it's, what? Yeah, I got it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then we've got storage, which is the love between parents and children. And then we have the one that you guys shouted out, agape, which is this unfailing love. So this is the type of love that God and Jesus has for mankind. So there's four different types of love. There's three different types of sin. So, and don't quote me on this. This is just kind of, um, I don't know, just a phrase or whatever. But people say that the more important a word is to a society, the more types of that word will present itself. Does that make sense? So like, just as we say, like, um, uh, I don't know, like, let's just say like killed. All right. So, oh, he got killed. He got, got, he got, he got, I don't know. Other, other words for murdered. Uh, huh? He got gitted. He got, yeah. Like all these things, like 
whatever. It got martyred. So as, in, as in the important word is like in society, the more types of that word it will present itself. Okay, does that make sense? All right, so we're gonna jump into the three different Hebrew words for sin, transgression, and iniquity. You ready? All right, if you're taking notes, this is where you wanna start. All right, so um, the first one is called chata, C-H-A-T-T-A-H, chata, okay? And this is translated as sin, okay? This means to miss the mark. Okay, so we'll get into that in a second. Um, and then we have Pesha, mm, is translated as transgression. And this is willful rebellion. Willful, oh, you wanna know? P-E-S-H-A, okay? This is willful rebellion, oh my gosh. Willful rebellion against a given standard. All right, and then the last one is Awan. Awan. A-W-O-N, and this uh, is iniquity, and it means uh, the inner character uh, points to an, an intentional twisting of a given standard, and we're going to get into this in just a second. So um, I'm going to read a scripture, but here's what I need you to do. When you hear the word sin, I need you to say, ooh. So, so let's practice. So sin... Okay, when you hear transgression, I want you to say, ah. Okay, and when you hear iniquity, I want you to say, yikes. Okay, so let's try. Sin. Transgression. Iniquity. Singression. Ah. <laughs> All right, so let's go here. So have mercy on, this is David. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. This is, ah, Psalm 51. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Okay, ooh for sin, ah for transgression, yikes for iniquity, okay? Ooh, ah, yikes, with me, ooh, ah, yikes, okay. So here we go. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. And let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, and you are the God of my Savior. You are the God of my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. 
And I'll say, ooh, I yikes. Ooh, I, I don't know. It's just where we went. I guess we need to take a communal bathroom break. That's all right. Um, so, Awan. Yeah, we're going to get to more of it. But, yeah, Awan, it relates more to the inner character and points to an intentional twisting of a given standard. So it's a twisting. All right, so here's what I need. Do you like that? It's like I know what I'm doing. Okay, so here's what this is. You ready? Woo! All right, so... When we talk about sin, how many, oh yeah, come on. How many of you guys know kind of like a working definition for sin? What you got, Maddox? Okay, so let's say you're trying to, and you don't hit the bullseye, okay? So sin, so get this, this is the important part. Sin, uh, okay, all right, we're done with that because I'm gonna say these words a lot and I don't need you to like interrupt every 10 seconds. All right, so sin is aiming for the standard, aiming for the middle and still missing the mark, okay? So sin is me aiming for the yellow and still not hitting the yellow. It's hitting the red, it's hitting the blue, hitting the black, or even not even anywhere close, but it's still me aiming for that middle, okay? This is just, this is like the sin of mankind. What do you need to say? I was saying, I'm not scared, it looks like a bull tip. Okay. Well, it did, and that's why we, uh, we perfected it, right, Slane? That's why we did it before service, to make sure it wouldn't. You're welcome. All right, so sin is aiming for the middle and still missing the mark. This is like, when we hear that like we're like from the womb, like David just said, from the womb, I was in sin. Like we were born into sin. You guys have heard that scripture, that truth. That is humankind, mankind aiming to get back to God and still in our human nature because of Adam and the fall, we will inevitably miss the mark, okay? That's just blatant sin, okay? Now, when we talk about transgression, transgression, is missing the mark. It could still be at the same spot. Golly, you want to see how strong I can be? I don't know. Okay. Woo. All right. <laughs> Dad muscles. All right. I know. Golly, even when I'm trying, oh my God. All right. Um, so sin is aiming for the middle and still ending up in the red. Okay. This is like just your slip ups. Like God, like I'm trying to do right, but you know, like I just yelled at my parents. I I did this, I burst out in anger, I didn't handle myself correctly. Like that, that's just sin, you know what I'm saying? Transgression is, can still be the same action, but it's a deliberate attempt to not hit the middle. This is, I'm gonna purpose in my heart to not hit the middle because I want to do what I wanna do. I've made up in my mind I don't wanna hit the mark and I, and I, and I don't wanna live inside righteousness. So therefore, I'm going to deliberately miss the mark, okay? This happens um, with like sexual immorality. You don't just randomly find yourself in porn. You're not just like, oh, oh, how'd I end up here? My God, 
there was a deliberate conscious effort to, I know what I need to do and I still want to just miss the mark. Like, and, and in those moments, like, anyways, we won't get there, but you get what I'm saying? That's transgression. Okay. Two totally different things. Okay. So iniquity, I thought I needed all these arrows, Josh, but I don't, I guess I just need one. Thank you though. Okay. So iniquity is when transgressions and sins left unmet and unchecked and unrepented for actually warp the arrow. So if I try and shoot this arrow and I'm not going to do it, but like if I pull this back and I try and hit that broadcast booth back there, if I'm relatively close, if like, if I'm aiming for it, like I'm going to hit it because this arrow's straight and it's going to fly true. Right. But if this arrow is bent like this and it stays bent, if I try and hit that, what's going to happen? It's going to go all the way over there. It's no matter what I try to do, no matter how hard I try and aim for that middle, I'm going to miss. I like that. That's what iniquity does is it literally bends the arrow. It's a twisting of the arrow. So this is what happens when repeated transgression goes on and on and on of this. You know what? I don't want to hit the mark. I don't want to hit the mark. I don't want to hit the mark. I don't want to do this. Then God, just like it says in Romans, he gives them over to their sinful desires. Great. You don't want to hit the mark. You won't. You can try all day, but you won't hit it. That's what iniquity does. Here's the issue. Sin kind of just like, it, it rests on the person who has sinned, okay? Like it's, that's on you. Your sin, Griffin, doesn't affect Maddox. Like it, it's not gonna mess him up, right? Because that's you. Like it doesn't do anything to Maddox. However, when we have repeated transgression of this, you know what? I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm just going to do this. What happens is transgression comes into your bloodline and there's a twisting in your bloodline for you to not hit the mark. You want an example? Great. I'll give you one. Let's talk about alcoholism. Let's say your granddaddy was a raging alcoholic. Your parent whoever it is, either your mom or your dad, whoever came from that grandparent has a predisposition to alcoholism. It's scientifically proven that if your dad or your mom struggled with this disease of alcoholism, well, they call it a disease. It's the spirit that is dictating your mind that they've now just diagnosed as a disease. But if your parents had struggled with this thing, you have a predisposition to struggle with that. Here's a Here's an example that hits close to home. My grandfather, my Opa, is what uh, I would have called him. I never met him because he killed himself before my oldest sister was even born. So my Opa never knew uh, my any of uh, any of my siblings. Um, so he killed himself, and so what happened was that was a transgression that brought iniquity into the bloodline. Okay. 
So I come out of the womb with a predisposition to not hit the mark, even more so than just human nature. Now, sin would just automatically say, great, I want to hit the mark. Oh, dang it. All right, I'll try again. Great. You're going to cleanse me of my sin and I can try this again. The iniquity that I was born into, no matter how hard I tried to, I couldn't hit it. Like it wasn't going to happen. So what had to happen was the Holy Spirit had to cleanse iniquity. Uh, You can't, this isn't to be like this, um, this is how you are, sort of like message, like I was born this way. You could be born that way, but you're, you're never like born again that way. Like, and as like, as cheesy as that is, like the whole, oh, well, my daddy struggled with this. I was born this way. This is how it is. If I can just be really frank, like I'm kind of tired of that crap. Like, oh, this is just how I am. I call bull crap. Like that's just not how you are because the blood of Jesus is enough to correct the iniquity, in your bloodline. So stop leaning on the crutch of, well, this is just what my family does. Well, then stop it. Like, do something about it. If you want to do something about it, you need to come to the foot of the cross. And so Chloe and I talked about this um, long before we were married, way before we had kids. And we said, our kids are never going to struggle with pornography because that was another thing that ran in my family that was this iniquity. I said, you know what? We've got to break this because there was a, a generational like lineage of like, we're just going to continuously divert from this path. And so something has to happen for this to break and for it to come into correct alignment. That's, that's what cleansing of iniquity is, is when your entire family is like this. And then when cleansing comes, it's this. This isn't just an automatic, you're going to hit the mark every, every chance you get. But now this says there's no predisposition for you to miss just inevitably. Now you can hit the mark because Jesus has rectified the iniquity in your bloodline. Does that make sense? Okay, amen. So if you know that your parents struggle with a specific thing that you've seen uh, either like destroy them, destroy their family, cause grief and strife, here's a little tip for you. That may be some iniquity. So here's what you do with that. First off, you follow the number one rule. You don't be dumb. And, I'm, and I mean that in all sincerity. If you know that, okay, so for instance, if I knew um, at, if I had this understanding at 10, 11, 12 years old, and I knew that um, suicide ran in my family, I maybe would go talk to someone when I was feeling those ways, or I would... Um, you know, like maybe pray, like, I don't know, like Holy Spirit, like, can you please talk to me and deal with this iniquity? If I understood that my dad, this isn't true, but this is just a hypothetical. If, if my dad was a raging alcoholic and his dad was a raging alcoholic and his dad was a raging alcoholic, maybe I wouldn't go to the liquor store. Maybe I wouldn't be an idiot and go to parties where I knew that there would be drinking because I already have a predisposition to fall back into that snare and to continue this iniquity 
bloodline in my family. But if you could pardon my French, it's going to take someone with some balls to be like, you know what? Like it, it has to stop here. Like at, at what point, if you can see like what your parents have dealt with and what your parents' parents have dealt with, and you're like, you know what? Like, I don't like that taste. Like if you don't do anything and, and it's not like in your own power and it's not in your own might, but if you don't humble yourself and come to the foot of the cross and let the Holy Spirit heal you, your kids will deal with it. Like, like at what point are you going to be like, you know what? Like this has to get dealt with. It's almost to the point where I remember some people were about to get married. Um, and there was still some like ongoing, not just sin, but ongoing transgressions that this dude was doing. And I told him, I said, bro, if you've ever listened to anything I've ever said, like, listen to me now, like, do not get married until you deal with this. Because what's going to happen is you're going to bring in this iniquity and then you're going to marry in and then, oh, great. You've got your old bloodline now with this new iniquity. But if you humble yourself and submit to the process and let the Holy Spirit heal you, that can be realigned and you can come in like together. So here's the important thing. Um, in Proverbs, does it, do you know what uh, it calls uh, children? Oh, not uh, Proverbs, sorry. Psalm 126. You know what it calls children? No. Arrows. Children are arrows in the hands of the father and in the hands of their parents. So if David is writing to us and is saying, hey, children are arrows in the hands of the father. And then we have this picture, this archaic picture of iniquity being like this, I think it bears paying attention to, to like, oh, there's a correlation here between people being bent towards a certain predisposition and not. You know what I'm saying? You with me? I've seen a lot of glazed looks. Okay, cool. People in the back, you with me? Tayshawn, you with me? <laughs> All right. So what's the point of knowing this? You know, like you ever just read something in, in scripture or just not even just scripture, but just like um, a Pythagorean theorem. You ever thought that and be like, why in the name of the Lord, our savior, do I need to know this? Like, what is it? Uh, a squared plus B squared equals C squared. All right, great. See, so remember it. Um, actually, I thought that for two decades. Do you want to know why they teach you Pythagorean theorem and all of these like theories? Um, I'll tell you why. They don't want you to remember the theorems or the theories. But what happens is while you're like, memorizing this stuff and you're learning about this, it wires in your brain to critical think. And so they're not trying to teach you the theory. They're trying to teach you how to critically think and solve problems than just, oh, two plus two, which I thought was pretty interesting, but still I hate Pythagorean theorem. Um, so it's still the worst. But have you ever thought about that? It's like, why in the world would I need to know this? Okay, I think, I think that often sometimes like with scripture too, it's like, why, why is this important? Like, so you may be thinking, it's like, why is it important that I know the difference between sin, transgression, and iniquity? Like, what's the point? Like, how does that affect me? You with me? Okay. I need you to hear me loud and clear on this. 
we've talked a lot about like having this boldness of like, Hey, like it has to end with you. Like there has to be like this decision that gets made. You have to have the, mm, to do something. I won't say it again because, <laughs> okay. Um, huh? Amen. You got to have the balls to do something about it. So, yee, yee. All right. So this is my last week, technically. Um, just kidding. So what's the point of knowing this? There's no other solution for your sin, transgression, or iniquity than the cross. Okay. There's no other solution. And we have to get to the, not, not only just like the finality, but the centrality of the cross. Everything in our lives has to circle around the cross. You have nothing. You have nothing if the cross didn't give it to you. No, no grace, no mercy, no sanctification, no infilling of the Holy Spirit, no peace, no joy, except for that which comes from the cross. So if you don't live your life with a centrality point of view of the cross, you're devaluing it. You're missing the whole point. The, the, the cross of Jesus isn't to be this little trinket that we say, oh yes, there's my savior. He was on there and now I'm, now I'm free. Great. Now what? Let's go to lunch. It's like, it, it can't just be a passing. Oh yes, the, the cross. No, like everything rises and falls on the cross of Christ. Everything comes through that lens. Everything has to be viewed through that lens. If we aren't viewing life, struggles, sin, transgression, iniquity through the lens of the cross, like we're, we're blind. We're missing the whole point. Um, so we have to come back to the centrality of the cross. Um, cause it's not just something like, it's so funny. Um, how many of you guys have social media at some, I'm not saying it's like who has Facebook I'm saying like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat. What else you got? Be real. Be real. Okay. Is that technically social media? What is that? Is it just reels? Really? See? Interesting. Okay. So, so here's, here's the issue with, um, social media. And I need you to hear me on this. I, I have no quarrels with social media. My wife hates it. I've got no issue with it. I think um, if used correctly, it can be an incredible tool of connection and, uh, well, that's about it for an incredible tool for connection. If you're like, I hate social media. I hate what it does. Amen. Shambo. She hates addiction. So, but here's the issue. Um, it's an incredible thing, but on your social media platforms, like for me, I'm a millennial and you guys are all Gen Z's, right? Okay. Okay. As a millennial, I still get, um, friends, and uh, just like ads and just, you know, recommended videos that not only like negate, but almost spit in the face of the truth of the centrality of the cross. You see what I'm, you know what I'm saying? 
Like there's things that you're gonna view and listen to that spit in the face of Jesus being the central point of existence. That's just gonna, that's just a thing because we live in a world that not everybody understands the centrality of the cross. The issue with that is when you become inundated, inundated with that, it starts to shift your mind. So um, you guys ever seen those experiments of uh, those plants where one, one plant is hearing like, you're amazing, you can grow, you're amazing, you can grow. And another plant is listening to you suck or whatever, just negative stuff. What happens? The positive one grows and the one who gets the negativity dies. Like it's literally like when we say like the power of life and death or the life and death is in the power of the tongue. Like it's not just this, oh, here's an idea. It's truth. And so here's what happens. If you listen to these lies long enough, it gets embedded into your spirit. And so it's to the point where you would even want to value the centrality of the cross, but something in you says that can't really be it. And you blame it. Well, maybe I just have doubts. Maybe I just have this. No, it's because you're listening to crap 18 hours a day that spit in the face of the centrality of this. And you wonder why, oh, I, I just, I just feel like I don't hear God. <sighs> My God, I, hear, I feel like I don't hear God. You know, we read in Romans that hearing God is the easiest thing. We were designed from it. Preeminently, we were designed to hear from the Father. It's in our nature to hear from the Father loud and clear. The issue is that when we pay attention to everything else that spits in the face of the centrality of the cross, it puts in these like, almost these like in-ears in our ears that filter out truth. And then we only listen to things that line up with what we've already heard. And then we wonder, God, I can't hear you. Well, maybe you should stop listening to the garbage that you're listening to. Or, and I'm not just talking about music. I'm talking about what you surround yourself with. What truths and what lies are you surrounding yourself with that you're inundated with? And so that's just my subtle plug to be aware of what you're surrounding yourself with. And all that to say, I'm a millennial, right? Okay. And I, I get it all the time. You guys are Gen Z. Do you know that Gen Z is, what's it? It's the first post, post-Christian generation in existence. There's more people in Gen Z that don't believe in the centrality of the cross than do. So literally for your generation, the odds are stacked against you. So when you, when you surround yourself with more people your age, you're like, oh, tell me about your life, blah, blah, blah. More times than not, they're just, they're gonna spit in the face of this. And so if you're not careful, you start to lend an ear to that. And then what does that do? That leads you down the path of, oh, I'm not even gonna aim for this anymore because what's the point? This isn't real. So I'm just gonna do whatever I want because you know what? There's no point. I'm just gonna do what I want. So now there's no sin. There's no transgression because it's all just free living. We can do whatever we want. It's a free country. That's, but you live in here and then you'll find yourself in 20 years like this. And you'll wonder, and you'll come to the foot of the cross and be like, dear God, what happened? Well, decade after decade after decade after generation, this happened because we weren't, this didn't, this wasn't supposed to turn into like an ear and eye gate thing, but it inevitably has because we didn't monitor these. We didn't monitor these. 
These are wildly important. What you let in, like, affects your spirit. It affects your soul. Oh, oh. <laughs> Easy. Golly. Oh, yeah, that is commitment. Um, oh, it keeps redoing this page. That's crazy. So, so here's the wild thing. This is Isaiah 53. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, and the chastening of our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, 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 we'll do that, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to its own way. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. Doesn't matter. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of all of us to fall upon him. The iniquity of your parents, the iniquity of your bloodline has fallen upon Jesus. That's why the centrality of the cross has to be the most important thing because without it, you're this. But with it, you're this all day long. I can't get, let's do that. You're, you're that all day long. That's the importance of the centrality of the cross. You have to understand, you have to value it. You have to value it. But here's the thing, you, you won't value it until you like taste it. Other than like, if you don't know what it means to, I said I didn't need them, but I do need them. If you don't know what it means for, to feel like this and then to be like this, like you, you won't view the cross in, in the full respect. And, and I dare say like, we'll, we'll never understand the full weight of the cross until we step into eternity. But now we get a taste and a glimpse of all that it can do and all that it's accomplished in us. So for some of you, your life is like this, not by any deed that you've done, but because of your parents and the bloodline before you and the generations before you, but the Holy Spirit is so kind. So let's do this, extend your hands out. Let's just do this. Oh yeah, Chloe wants to add one thing, catch. Um, I just was thinking about Sarah Grove's song with the cursor of blessing and passing that stuff on. None of you are having kids probably anytime soon. If you do, well, we'll walk you through that, but let's try not to, to get married. That'd be great. But, um, you are either past a curse or a blessing and there's, I know we've been talking about the sin and transgression and iniquity, but also tagging along, there's a blessing and inheritance on the other side. And, some of you have been like granted with this blessing and inheritance and your arrow genuinely is straight. And like, because of, you know, the path that your parents have chosen, your grandparents have chosen, like I'm specifically thinking about Paul and like the path that he paved for everybody after him and what you guys, um, the beans are able to walk in just because of what was laid out, you know? So I know that, um, PP over here, you know, was talking about, you can't, it's hard to appreciate that, but it's also, 
Never called you that ever in my life. <laughs> it was kind of gross. Paul, you know how Paul was talking about it's hard to have an appreciation for the cross if you, you know, do have a straight arrow. But the deal is, um, like, look on the lives of those around you, you know? You can see when something's bent out of whack. And let that be a reminder to you, like, I need to stay on this. Not like, oh, they suck. Too bad they've got iniquity. (laughs) You're actually supposed to help pull people out of that stuff. So anyway, the same way a curse is passed, the same way transgression turns into iniquity, you all are supposed to be people who, if you're not straight already, get straight and get to pass on to your children a blessing and an inheritance. Because whatever, the next generation is going to double whatever you're doing, period. So you, you're, you are double, triple whatever grandma did, right? So just be aware of that. I thought it was pretty cool. Just thinking about that song and yeah, it's good stuff. All right, let's just extend our hands. Lord, we repent for sin. Repenting doesn't mean just turning and going the other way. It it means changing our mindset so that we're not hitting anywhere other than the middle so that we're not missing the mark. So we repent for sin that we've done um, even unknowingly and unplanned. We just kind of found ourselves in it. But we also repent for transgressions where we knowingly spat in the face of your law. We knowingly spat in the face of love the God, love your God and love your neighbor. Father, we just ask that you wouldn't hold that against us, that you would blot out our transgressions from your memory. You said you would, that you would separate yourself from the knowledge of our sin and our transgression. But I just ask that you would cleanse iniquity in our bloodline, cleanse iniquity in our own hearts, in our own spirits, uh, where we would have a predisposition to not miss the, to, to not hit the mark that you would create in us uh, someone who has a predisposition to hit the mark because we're sons and we're daughters. Lord, I just ask that you would give us an awareness of, of not just like history and bloodline and not to get all like, oh, the bloodlines are pure and stuff, like not to get all weird, but that you would give us an awareness of the assignment the enemy has for us to keep us trapped and in bondage and that you would give us boldness to step out of it and that you would give us courage to make tough decisions. Uh, And honestly, they're not even that tough. In light of the centrality of the cross, when we look 
at the comparison between living in iniquity and taking a step toward the cross and letting the Holy Spirit cleanse iniquity, it just pales in comparison to what we were already doing. So I just ask that you wouldn't even give us a boldness, but that you would give us a clear picture of what our lives look like free from iniquity. And I just ask that the Holy Spirit right now would come and cleanse iniquity. I'm asking for you to give us dreams of, of like I'm literally just seeing like him giving you a dream of this stick that's bent and he's like straightening it out. And I just ask that we would have an awareness of your spirit that's guiding us and leading us into all truth, that we would come out of sin, we would come out of transgression, we would come out of iniquity. You just say, we receive healing. We receive healing. What? We don't have to be so serious, you know. It's all right. That's what I always hated as a kid. You know, like you go to church and they'd be like, now bow your heads. Okay. But like, she just farted. Are we not gonna like, <laughs> are we not gonna talk about that? Like, that's freaking hilarious. But then like, if you laugh, they're like, transgressions. <laughs> I didn't mean to. I was, I was the guy who was reading Harry Potter in church and I didn't, I, I didn't think it was bad. I mean, still don't, but it was just like, I'm just going to read the Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> Anyways, I went to a Presbyterian church. There wasn't that much difference. Um, <laughs> hello, hello, hello. hello.